So, hey, everybody, if you're with us last time, we did a full rundown on quarterbacks and all the movement in the NFL. Uh, We also put together a short emergency podcast that basically told you all the things we messed up. Um, With that in the rearview mirror now, we're going to turn to the NBA, um, an organization, a sport that, you know, Wayne and I both love. um, And we'll kick it off starting with the Chicago Bulls. Um, both Wayne and I are big Chicago Bulls fans, um, so I wanted to start off there. Um, tell me, Wayne, what are some of your favorite Bulls memories before we segue right into where the team is currently? Yeah, well, yeah. So growing up, I uh, I went with my dad to uh, some Bulls games when Michael Jordan was playing. I remember this uh, giant, big, bald head uh, in you know center court and all that, and I was like, "Oh, that's Michael Jordan." And then I looked at the numbers; uh, it was Ron Harper. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that's usually happens when it, you're all the way up there and all that but um no I, I I collected newspapers and all that even uh when Michael Jordan was playing uh when he came back uh when he won the last championship with the Bulls so I've always been a big major Bulls fan it's hard to grow up in Chicago in the Chicagoland area and not be a big Bulls fan especially if you were growing up during the 90s and all so but ironically, I was actually more of a Pippen fan. Uh, I was like, oh, the other guy. I, I, I always like like the other guy in a way. Um, but then, yeah, I have a lot of great memories with uh, Derek Rose, you know, in the recent, more recent years. Um, really wanted that to work out and really hated the heat and all. The <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, I, I love the, just love the Bulls in general and uh, yeah, looking forward to see what, what what's going to happen in this uh, this playoffs uh, for this year. For sure. I mean, touch on Michael Jordan. Uh, it goes without saying that he's probably the biggest sports icon still to date. I mean, I feel like when I was growing up, he was a complete movie star, superstar, you know, best athlete. It was like he ticked every single box. He was on every commercial. It was very hard to, you know, not turn on your TV and, you know, especially in our area and see Michael Jordan. And it's kind of crazy. Even today, I feel like folks from other cities, um, you know, my brother-in-law uh, lives out in New York, grew up in the Virginia area. He was the biggest Bulls fan had, uh, you know, Bulls apparel, Bulls memorabilia was a huge you know supporter of Jordan. It's just like, think of the reach that guy had, especially, you know, not only in the U S but across the world, it was, you know, uh, needless to say, he was Michael Jordan. But, um, you know, I just remember growing up, I was probably, you know, second to fourth grade when the Bulls were in their second three-peat. And it was every night turning on a Bulls game on WGN. And you just knew, you know, Jordan was going to put up minimum 35. You were, you were just, you know, sitting back. If you ever scored 26, 27, you were, you know, kind of blown away at how, you know, pedestrian he was that night. And I was a big... um newspaper fan when I was a kid uh, we didn't have internet obviously we didn't have you know all these smartphones and gadgets and stuff now where right. you can get any stat you want at the snap of a finger but I would go outside pick up the newspaper every day and open up the box scores and just you know go through all the sports but you know NBA and looking at Jordan it was just kind of you know him filling it out um, outside of that you know with what you're saying kind of growing up we had some pretty tragic times in the 2000s with the you know the baby bulls uh, thinking that pairing up some twin towers with Curry and Chandler. We're going to produce, uh, you know, finals appearance after finals appearance. But uh, there were some really rough times. And I just kind of, you know, even before we got to the Derrick Rose era, just watching, um, you know, some of the scrappy Bulls teams that we had with Heinrich and Deng and Gordon and, 
you know, you knew they were going to be, you know, somewhere in the five to eight seed, but they were going to, you know, really push the the top dogs in the East in every playoff series. And, and they truly did. Um, so, you know, now we're flashing forward to the present. Um, Wayne, if you want to kick it off, tell me what you think about the construction of this team and what you can see, you know, this season and beyond. Yeah, I, I, I love AK. I actually saw him on, uh, on Rush Street uh, maybe several months ago, actually. I was like, who's that tall person over there? And I was like, oh, it's – he just – I think he just uh, started uh, started with the Bulls and everything. So, uh, But I was like, oh, I'm so excited to hear him or see him in person and just just as a, as a commoner, basically. So um, I love what he's done so far. I like that he – uh, is not just not just uh, collecting talent for the present, but also building for the future. Um, the Patrick Williams, I'm big, I was a big Patrick Williams uh, fan when he got drafted. Um, you know, I I was looking, I was like, oh, could they possibly trade back and and get him? You know, maybe instead of four, but maybe like at seven or eight, I think was where he was more so projected to go. Um, sure, but uh, I liked his his whole makeup. I thought he fit the the squad for the Bulls. Um, so I, I like that he's you know held on to him. I I know there's been like rumors of possibly trading him for like Durant or some other players, but I like that it's like, oh, we can, you know, uh, make some trades, trade some trade, you know, trade some first rounders for DeRozan to help out also uh, uh, with um, making Levine stay. Basically, not making him stay, but being like, hey, you know, we're we're building a team around you, um, and then Vucevic as well. So. Uh, I think it's great that he's been able to just be like, "Hey, let's let's make ourselves uh, contenders." And then that's that's brought in some key free agents too, you know, with the uh, Caruso show. Uh, uh, but yeah, like DeRozan getting DeRozan to sign as well, like that was a big thing. And I think that uh, the, you know uh, Vucevic also I know uh, kind of helped him there. So just getting that whole uh, like it, it's just shifted. It's completely shifted. I think there was just like, oh, we're gonna have another lottery pick and then that lottery pick's probably not, not going to pan out. And then uh, Levine's just going to walk away basically. Like that was the biggest fear uh, amongst a lot of Bulls fans. Now it's like, how can Levine not stay, not resign and all that. And then um, yeah, having uh, Patrick Williams, who's supposed to be coming back. I think I just heard uh, tomorrow uh, from his wrist injury. So uh, really excited to see what we could potentially do in the playoffs. I think that's the key thing. And, Patrick Williams, he's going to bring that defensive edge. Uh, you know, the defense has struggled of recently, and that's why they've been uh, losing some. So I, I think uh, having him guard, you know, the best wing uh, on the other team, I think that'll be awesome to see. So very optimistic about where they are right now. And then also building for the future. I think he's kind of set up uh, set up those pieces uh, perfectly, uh, to be honest with. I don't know if he could have done a better job necessarily. So, yeah, what do you think? I mean, perfect construction of the team with, you know, what talent was out there at the time. I mean, signing DeRozan and getting back, you know, a guy who could have started in the all-star game as far as performance goes from the start of this year. Um, super impressive. Always a, you know, above average talent, uh, good to great type of shooting guard in this league. But, I mean, definitely took it to another level uh, joining the Bulls. Um, Love the chemistry out the gate. It It's too bad we've had so many injuries kind of hamper the continuity of the team and just kind of seeing what their upside could have been from start to finish. I truly believe they'd probably be in the one seed now. Um, 
just with how things were going and with the guys that they had, it just was fun to watch, you know, their energy level, the commitment on the defensive end, and then seeing kind of the breakouts of Lonzo Ball and DeRozan and, you know, Levine's been steady. And like you're saying, I, there's no chance that he's leaving. Um, no chance. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he's the guy who was kind of the, you know, the, the, the anchor for that team, even when we were down and now he's getting all the benefits of it and they're building, you know, a team around him in a way. Uh, so he's got to appreciate that and see the vision um, from that point of view. I mean, if he left, I'd truly be floored. And uh, you know, if he's not joining up with a, you know, the Nets or the Warriors or something that's just, you know, completely obvious, then yeah, I'll lose a lot of respect for him on a, just a, just an individual, uh, you know, talent and kind of how to go about a career um, <laughs> in that sense. I mean, I just think it'd be kind of crazy, but mm-hmm. um, all that aside, um, you know, I think with where they're at currently, um, I think they'll definitely put up a good first round fight. They're going to get a tough opponent. Um, as far as right now, it looks like the Celtics would be who they're slated against in the East. Um, that feels like it could change from now until the start of the playoffs, but whoever they draw in the first round is going to be tough. I see that series going six or seven games and it's kind of a coin flip for me based on who they get, um, you know, in that matchup. Um, if it is the Celtics, boy, I mean, I'd be really hard pressed to, to go against the bulls in that situation, but the Celtics have been scorching hot too. So um, in any case, I think going into next year, you know, with wherever we land this year, whether it's a first round victory or exit, um, I see that kind of being the range of, of what our upside is for this season. But when I think about kind of going into next season, one, you know, rumor that's been all over the news and social media and everything else is, you know, what's Rob Palenka going to do with, you know, everything going on in Los Angeles. Anthony Davis is obviously from here. If I was Rob Palenka and, you know, you're AK Arturis Karnasovas. And I said, Hey, Arturis, um, let's talk Anthony Davis, but let's also talk about the Bulls roster and what you possibly offer me for this guy. Um, are you picking up that call? Are you shutting it down or are you getting serious, rolling up your sleeves and offering some of our guys? No, that's a good question. I, I mean, I don't know how you don't take it. <laughs> I think is the biggest thing. Um, that being said, you know, what, what kind of assets I, 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 I would be interested in hearing what he would want in return. Um, you know, uh, if the idea is, Hey, you know, uh, I, I don't know what the salaries I'll look and match and all that, but you know, if it's like what Vucevic and then uh, maybe uh, uh, a Patrick Williams or, or Kobe white, like, I don't know. So it, it really would depend on how much uh, I guess, you know, we would be willing to give up, but, it would be hard. It would be hard not to take that call. I mean, Anthony Davis, again, when he's not hurt, right, is probably one of the top five players in the NBA. So, um, yeah, I would totally consider it. But you know, it, it would definitely be hard to say someone say goodbye to someone like a Patrick Williams or something like that. Though I would say so. What if What if I said, you know, hey, LeBron's told me that he's going to stay next year if we make this thing work, um, and he wants to see the effort put in to make this a team that he can play with. What if what if I call you and I say, Hey, I want DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, and you know, one of your young chips uh that's currently on the roster. Uh forget draft picks. Um, 
I don't think those matter to Los Angeles. But, <laughs> uh, in general, what would you say to that? Would you would you give up DeRozan, Ball, and uh, DeSomnu or White or Williams to get Anthony Davis? Yeah, I wouldn't, in my opinion. But yeah, I I don't know. I I I don't think I would. I think um, given where we're at right now, it's like we would get uh, Anthony Davis, um, who if he can be healthy again is one of the best players in in the NBA. Uh, and I understand that DeRozan is a little bit; he's getting up there in years and all that. Um, but you know, he he's really kind of uh, you know been kind of the heart and soul of this this year's uh this year's team like he's very much had that chip on his on his shoulder and being like hey you know everybody thought I was going to be out of the league and all that and you know he was having one one of the best uh seasons in his career and you know one of uh you know considered an MVP candidate and all so um you know I, I would definitely want still want him to be on the team and all that even though I know he's from LA and probably would get excited about joining the Lakers so um, yeah, I would, I would say no, but you know, I'm not a GM. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Um, so to close on this segment with the bulls, um, what do you think they're going to do? Number one in the playoffs this year. And what do you see this off season bringing for us? Um, you know, whether it be the draft or just free agency, where do you see, you know, next year's roster really being. I mean, I would love to see the the Bulls get out of the first round. Um, I don't know if that'll happen, but I would love to see that. Uh, just given I know that a lot of our players in the prime, uh, if if we can be all healthy by playoff time, uh, I think we can put up a good fight. Uh, that being said, I know the Bulls have not fared well against top competition, so I know that's been the the MO and everything, I think it was like, uh, they have like, Oh, and 13 versus the top three teams, right. In in the Eastern and Western conferences. So it's like, Oh, you know, we're not going to do well. We're not going to beat the Bucks. We're not going to beat the heat probably. Um, but who knows it's the playoffs. Things can go crazy, but, uh, I think a success would be getting out of the first round. Um, I would love to see that. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I'd love to see a full off season with Patrick Williams healthy, um, him being more integrated within the lineup. And then, you know, if we can uh, figure out what to do with Kobe white, I think that would be great, but I would hate to see him walk and and all that. I don't know what we could possibly do with that, but um, yeah, I think we we can kind of grow from there. See if any free agents, you know, the, the bulls are, have been put on the back on the map now. So I'm hoping that maybe we can get some, uh, some possible free agent signings to, you know, from players that think like, Oh, I can fit right in here. Um, you know, whether it be another wing, somebody off the bench, maybe uh, somebody to kind of take off, take that scoring off the bench type of mentality, uh, you know, I, I, with Kobe uh, probably leaving. So, um, but yeah, I, I would like to see some sort of progress there, but yeah, it's hard to uh, uh, put everything kind of, uh, like, oh, you know, the season, I, I think, I think there's a lot of bulls talk about the bulls winning the NBA championship. It's hard. It's a really competitive league. I don't see that possibly happening, but, uh, very hopeful that it would. So, yeah. What do you think? I'm kind of, you know, posing the question of Anthony Davis is, would be my dream come true. Yeah. Um, there's something that 
I think needs to wake up inside of him from a competitiveness standpoint. I mean, I, there's no excuse for what the Lakers put out this season, regardless of fit and, you know, the age of the roster and this and that. I mean, if you're scratching and clawing for a 10 seed in the West with some of the other teams that are out there and you've still got LeBron and Westbrook and, you know, you got Malik Monk and you've got, you know, guys that are NBA players surrounding LeBron James, Westbrook. Um, and even when Davis was on the floor, it was very pedestrian basketball, but just from a talent standpoint and a, you know, position scarcity standpoint, as far as the fours go, I mean, there aren't, there aren't a lot of guys like Anthony Davis in the NBA. Um, you know, you've got, you know, Kevin Durant, um, Carl Anthony Towns is exciting, um, but he has really never proven much with the Minnesota Timberwolves over his years. I just kind of feel like, you know, getting our hands on a guy like that, pairing him with Levine, hopefully when, you know, like I, I mentioned, the the offer wouldn't be, uh, you know, everything in our cupboard, but I'd also look at it from, a, you know, you re-sign Levine, you've got maybe some, long, you know, young talent left over or Vucevic perhaps, um, you know, what free agents may be out there to help fill the holes and kind of, you know, organize a new type of super team, at least in Chicago, maybe that's a possibility. And uh, I guess with that kind of segues into our, you know, next topic for debate, but it also, you know, touches on the current state of the NBA with, you know, teams like the Nets, teams like the Sixers, could the Bulls find themselves, you know, like that next year. But, you know, as far as this year's super teams go, you know, we talked about the Lakers and just how they put up a real stinker, you know, this whole year. But what do you think about the Nets with their new, you know, big three and, and beyond and, and also the Sixers with just, you know, Harden and Embiid and Harris and, and some of those guys? What did you make of the trade when it went down? And, and where do you think those two uh, teams stand? Yeah, I, I think it makes I think it makes sense for both. Um, I don't like Simmons. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not even sure if the, the Nets like Simmons. I'm, I, I'm thinking they either, you know, uh, take him and then see if they can flip him around or because, you know, they, they just saw that Harden was like, I'm only getting older. I need to be on a championship team. And this team is kind of, kind of, uh, dysfunctional. So, um, which, which kind of makes, uh, Simmons fit in a little bit. Um, he could possibly fit in if, if, and it's kind of a big, if, if he kind of takes that whole dream on green rule, I would say, um, if he's like that, you know, person that just defends and goes all out, um, uh, which he possibly could, he has all the physical traits to do so. Um, but him as like the primary ball handler, and that's going to be a, such a shift, I think in kind of just his overall game, that's just not his thing. So yeah, in that case, he's he's kind of like more maybe more of like a, a rim runner then, <laughs> but uh, like he he's just anomaly. He he just did not fit in what the uh, Sixers were building. So I think they were just trying to cut their losses, you know. And then they got a good haul with Harden overall. I think Harden makes sense for what they're trying to do. Um, I think he fits in really well with the uh, with the roster that they have. Uh, I'm glad that. You know, for the Phillies, uh, from from the Philadelphia standpoint, that they kept uh, Tybal. I think Tybal actually works really, really well with uh, with Harden. Um, or I think he'll be paired pairs well with them, and that Harden is just a full out scorer. And then uh, Tybal just kind of sits in the corner and just is like, okay, you know, if, if the ball comes and all that, I'll, I'll shoot it. And kind of similar to Danny Green, just plays all out on defense more so, which 
Harden is not the most uh, well-known for his defense. So I, I think it makes sense from Philly's standpoint. It'll be interesting to see if they can make a push in the playoffs. Um, that being said, Harden in the playoffs, I know he can kind of uh, hug the ball a little bit. So, you know, which that should be some conflict with Embiid. I hope he's like, oh, we got one of the best low post players in the game down there. Someone that's just, you can't really guard him. So let's see if we can set some stuff up there. So I think it's great for Philly. I think that they made the best out of this, uh, out of their situation. And I, I, uh, and I am, uh, I, I, I kind of, uh, I don't want to say I feel sorry for the Nets because I really don't, but I'm kind of like, uh, maybe they deserve it <laughs> with every, all the drama that's happened there. So, um, yeah, I think they'll, it'll be interesting what happens. I think it'd be off season if, uh, Simmons is still around and all that, but, um, yeah, I think those are my thoughts. Yeah. So yeah. What are your thoughts on the trade? The trade made a lot of sense for both sides. Um, you know, touching first on the nets, I think what you were saying about Simmons playing off the ball, um, not being dependent on to be, you know, one of the top scorers on the team, I think is going to be best for him and his game, not just this year, but over the life of that contract. I think that's a, I think it's a good contract for the nets, uh, you know, with the, uh, exception that he needs to be on the court. He needs to be healthy and he needs to be engaged. And it's tough to say with a guy who has his DNA, it's the same kind of thing with James Harden. I think they're, you know, very alike in that sense. And the, the way that they, you know, go about the game and their, you know, I guess their contract situations and, you know, kind of their commitment levels to teams when things don't go their way. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as the Nets go, I think that's the absolute perfect team for him to join. Um, I see him being kind of like your modern day Lamar Odom on a team like that, where, you know, there's not all the emphasis on him being the top guy or having the ball in his hands at all times. Now, Kyrie Irving has to be on the floor. Uh, there's got to be some, you know, changes made at the at the local level in Brooklyn for that to happen. Um, even in Toronto, if that is, happens to be part of their playoff uh, scenario at all. But uh it's um it's a good fit for Ben Simmons. It's a good fit for the Nets um, with everybody healthy and playing basketball on the floor because they also brought in Curry and Drummond to go along with you know Lamar you know Lamarcus Aldridge who's there and Patty Mills. I just think that you know personally I'll probably say more about the Nets later, but overall for this year I think it's a slight loss for the Nets, but I think moving forward it's a complete victory for them. And on the flip side of things with James Harden. Um, I feel like his ceiling is Western conference finals and it's just because I'm not a James Harden guy. Um, I never have been, um, from a winning standpoint, I always have been from a talent and just elect, you know, electricity standpoint. It reminds me a lot of, you know, Allen Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, um, obviously no disrespect to either of those guys. I mean, less so to, uh, Carmelo. Um, I, I feel bad saying about AI, but, there's a me factor that comes with James Harden where, you know, him putting up 40, 50, dazzling the crowd, uh, showing off, you know, his Euro step and his, his step back and his ability to get follows from, you know, the popcorn vendor. It's, it's just amazing. Uh, goes to the line, like, you know, 30 plus times a game or whatever, but I just generally feel like, um, like you were saying with his, um, lack of commitment on the defensive side, um, his personality, I, I see it as if it doesn't work this year, if they do not show us that they are a uh, 
a couple of points from a game seven victory in the Western, you know, Eastern conference finals. Um, I'll have absolutely zero faith in it going forward because he's got a bulky contract and that guy's not in the best of shape. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it's kind of like, this is his last hour and mm-hmm. he needs to show us that, you know, they're going to be, you know, taking that extra step over every other team in the East. And, you know, based on his performance against the Nets um, the other week gave us, uh, gave me a lot of doubts and um, that's, I'll just leave it at that. Got it. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, uh, I mean, I don't know anybody that looks at Harden and says like, Oh, this guy's all heart or anything like that. I feel like it's quite the opposite has all the skill and all the talent in the world, but then yeah, the commitment towards the team and trying to get the team to win. I think that's always just been the question with him. So, um, yeah, with he's always had, I think every single situation he's kind of been in, uh, he's always had some sort of, uh, other, uh, co-star to help with um you know the the rockets literally built the entire team around him and just maybe i don't know if that went to Harden's head but it was like something uh, uh th- this probably was not the healthiest thing for him so uh yeah hopefully you know he's only going to get older uh he's not in the best of shape he, or he, he's been in better shape in his life so i'm hoping that uh you know for his sake that he can just kind of put it all together whether it's you know maybe this season or next so yeah. Well, we'll have time to see. And, you know, I think these playoffs are going to be super exciting yeah. um, overall. I mean, both sides feel pretty deep going into the playoffs. I think East probably more than West, but, um, you know, needless to say, I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks and uh, I'll have a front row seat. So staying on this topic, somewhat I wanted to talk about roster construction in the sense of how it's kind of been over the last 15 years or so, just mm-hmm. with this kind of shift to, you know, building a super team um, versus maybe going the more homegrown route, um, you know, just with, you know, past franchises, drafting their stars, uh, maybe signing a free agent or two, um, and ultimately, you know, grabbing the chip. I guess the way you look at it, what do you think is the best approach as far as how you go about constructing a roster and, you know, looking at the ones that have gone, you know, full super team, do you think it's a success or is it, you know, maybe not as successful as, as, you know, growing from home. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a couple aspects to it. I think, you know, the, the, the teams that are doing it really, really well right now. Right. Um, they're not necessarily the biggest markets. Right. I, I think, you know, especially a couple of years ago with the whole LeBron going to the Lakers and everything. Right. Um, there was a lot of, uh, you know, picks that the top, you know, top 10 lottery picks and all that the Lakers had that they had to give up. So part of it was just, oh, they had all this talent that they drafted. Uh, you know, they really never amounted to too much. So they were like, okay, let's trade these potentially awesome players for an established player. So, but I think that can only possibly, I think that can only necessarily work with uh, a team such as the Lakers, like more of the big market, right? Um, I don't think anything can work with the Knicks, <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, a team like the Lakers, that's like kind of like that, um, a big market type of team. I think that makes sense for them since that has some attraction towards players going over there. Um, I, I, I think that the idea is that, you know, teams are trying to maybe build more so towards like the Golden State Warriors, which is where they draft like two two, uh, you know, game-changing kind of players, you know, probably lottery picks and all that. 
um, and then kind of grow from there. I think I look at the Bucks, right? Uh, I know Chris Milton wasn't necessarily drafted by the Bucks, but he basically like you don't think of him as a as a Detroit Piston, right? Um, so you know, I, I I do think there's some validity, especially if you are a smaller market team, which you know, in a way it's like most of the NBA technically is. Um, there's only so many LA teams, so many you know New York uh, type of teams. Um, so I I think you know if if I'm one of those teams that aren't on the in the coastal. Uh, um, the coastal areas, then I would definitely be trying to see if I, we can secure one or two types of world changing type of, type of talents and then see if you can get signs, the filling holes in there. So, you know, with, uh, with the bucks, they got uh, drew holiday, right. And he's, he changed it for them. That's why they won the championship. Uh, Chris Paul, like, you know, with the Suns, like that changed overnight, basically. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's probably the 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 success model, if you will, is getting you know two. Luckily, if you can get three uh, type of you know game changing kind of players, and then getting a solid veteran, uh, I, you know, especially with the cap structure, it is. I think that's that's a smart move. And then yeah, getting um, you know uh, fill in players for the rest. So um, yeah, I think that's a nice recipe for success. Yeah, I mean overall, I. I would agree with you. I think that, you know, if you can, if you can bank on two players, you know, looking at, you know, like the Oklahoma city thunder, even they got, you know, three at their time with Durant, Westbrook, Harden. It's too bad. They couldn't keep that all together, but you know, a, a market like that, no KC or um, you know, like you were saying with the Warriors, I think that's another good example of just teams that, you know, raised, you know, the talent on their own from home, uh, supplemented it with, you know, a good free agent here or there. And, you know, we're kind of in the money. And I think overall it, it creates a culture and it creates, you know, continuity and, and, you know, strong bonds between, you know, those guys that came up together who's, you know, started off in, you know, rookie ball or what have you, or, you know, kind of went through some of the uh, struggles of, you know, their first couple seasons in the NBA. I think that, you know, hopefully doesn't get lost in where, you know, the game goes over time. It feels like, you know, some of these super teams that we've seen kind of emerge in the last, you know, 15 years or so, the staying power and the sustainability of it just, was kind of uh, lackluster in a lot of ways, you know, granted, you know, each one of those teams, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the Miami Heat won a couple, um, the Golden State Warriors won a couple, um, you know, in their, in their more modern form with Durant, um, the Boston Celtics won one with KG, Allen and Pierce. It's just, it seems like when you get to the point of assembling a super team, you're stripping apart, you know, maybe, you know, some of your young talent or the guys who've been there together, you're trading them off to different cities and such. Um, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, just personality conflict that comes with mm-hmm. creating these bigger teams. Um, and it takes real special characters like a guy like Steph Curry or, you know, Dwayne Wade, maybe, who's just willing to, you know, allow that kind of personality uh, inflow to come into their city, into their, you know, franchises and allow it to, uh, you know, kind of manifest into, into championships. But, you know, I feel like once some of these players get on this um, doorstep of always changing teams or always searching for greener pastures, it feels like also they never seem to uh, want to stay uh, in their next location. <laughs> it's kind of, <laughs> I don't know how to put it. It's like, you know, you take the red pill and, you know, you go down this tunnel and it's like, you never really look back. I mean, it, 
you know, tell me what you think about maybe a guy like Kyrie or, you know, James Harden now or Kevin Durant. I mean, will these guys ever be okay again? It's yeah. like, <laughs> I just feel like they're always looking for, uh, you know, that next temptation. But, but what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, there, in a way, you know, maybe more on the business side, like there's actually a lot of like people in Silicon Valley, right? That they hop from Facebook and then they join uh, Google and then it's like, oh, maybe I want to, you know, go to Amazon or something like that, right? They, they all kind of rotate on the big tech just to see, you know, I'm working like 80 hours all the time and all that. Maybe, maybe I'll be treated nicer by, you know, this company. They're all the same, right? So <laughs> you're treated kind of similar in that. Like you, part of it is like, yeah, sometimes you just have to uh, accept kind of like the industry and, and area that you're in. So you know, um, obviously in the NBA, they have different types of cultures. Maybe one fits, fits, uh, you know, a certain type of player a little bit better. Right. And, you know, uh, I think I, I remember hearing that, um, Dwayne Wade re- re- kind of recruited, uh, for the heat, uh, Jimmy Butler. Right. So it was like, yeah, they're all dogs over there. You'll fit right in. Right. That kind <laughs> of thing. And which, I mean, apparently that, that was true. So, you know, I, I definitely see that, um, uh, it's nice to have the homegrown talent. It definitely reminds you of, I guess, the good old days uh, with regards to that. Uh, it's just, yeah, like you know, it's a different generation, different uh, revenue models and all that uh, and, and salary uh, issues. So, you know, it, it used to be really hard to trade players uh, in the 90s. Um, so now it's like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, let's just bring in some all-star. It's like, oh, no big deal. Um, and I, with that, you know, comes more player empowerment and that's where yeah lebron can just make demands and uh so can kd so um the fact of the matter is it's like the nba or basketball in general is you know you have five players on the court so like compare that to baseball or the nfl like they just don't have uh you you know that one player can make a difference uh compared to yeah like you know if you have the best uh, center in the NFL, right? Uh, is that going to change your, you know, your outlook for your uh, entire uh, season? No, but you know, if you have the best center in the NBA, uh, you know, yeah, that that can definitely change it. So um, it's a, it's a differently compared to some of the other ones, and you know, they they are really uh, going to player empowerment. Adam Silver is very much about that. So. Um, you know, it's, it's exciting. It de- it's definitely newsworthy or it keeps your interest, but you know, part of me feels like has the NBA lost a little bit of its soul with regards to all this, you know? So, yeah, I think that's how I feel about all that. Yeah. Last question about this topic, but just in general, do you feel like, I guess with some of the names, you know, thrown out there, do you ever feel like by taking this approach and incorporating it to your year-to-year decision-making, do you think it helps or hurts a player in terms of winning championships, staying on top of their game physically, mentally, production-wise? Or do you think this is kind of a, a cop-out of sorts and saying, you know, I don't want to stay when things are bad. I, I'm going to leave and, um, you know, find, you know, success elsewhere. Do you think it is a good formula for success, you know, cut and dry or, you know, do you have issues with it from any of the you know points that I touched on? Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's like uh, if if I am one of the top one percent of basketball players on earth, right? Um, 
you know, and I only have a, a 10, 15 year window, I think in terms of a being, you know, being talented and then also being able to make demands on, you know, being on a championship team. Cause I think, you know, you, you often hear that, right? Like the, the, the it's like, why do you play this game? It's like, Oh, I, I just want to win or something like that. It's usually what they'll say. It's like, well, put your money where your mouth is. Then you, you want to be playing for a contender. Um, does it, is it satisfactory from say, uh, you know, kind of our standpoint, the fan standpoint? Uh, no, no, we love seeing those battles, right? With Reggie Miller going against Jordan and all that. We would hate to have seen Reggie Miller be like, hey, I'm going to join the Bulls and you're going to have more. Like, could you imagine if Jordan had that much <laughs> space and all that? Like, yeah, that, that would be crazy. Um, so I think from the fan perspective, uh, it it is a little disheartening and all to see um like why would i buy a jersey now anymore right <laughs> uh but i can understand maybe that's the other i i i understand maybe where the nba players are coming from i just don't like it because i think you know we watch sports because it's like it, we like to see that uh that story right coming you know somebody that's coming from the ashes or, or whatever and then rising up and then going through adversity and all that uh, but from the NBA player standpoint, they're just training all the all the time. So like they want to win, they want to win now. So I think that's yeah. how I feel about it. Um, but yeah, like I said, from the fan perspective, I would just love to see some battles go on. So yeah, last thing I'll say about it is I really do think that those decisions matter in terms of their legacy. I mm-hmm. kind of get tired of hearing the debate of you know six rings versus five rings versus whatever if you got your rings by leaving a Western conference finals team to join the uh, past champion, or, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're saying, if you were Reggie Miller in your prime and you decided to join the 72 and 10 bulls, that's going to matter to me. And I think that that should never be forgotten. Um, I understand it from a business perspective, a, you know, playing basketball perspective, um, whatever it is, I understand the situation that, you know, LeBron was facing in Cleveland in those years um, but as a fan, am I, is that okay for me to say, <laughs> Hey, you know, you, you grabbed, uh, you know, two starting Eastern conference all-stars and created, um, a team that we would have loved to put together on NBA 2K, right. you know, 10, you know, so it is always going to matter to me. Um, Durant's still at zero titles for me and yeah. Ron's at two. Um, and <laughs> I, I'm going to keep it that way in my head, uh, and only my head, but, uh, I guess, um, Segwaying into the close, you know, the close of this episode, um, who do you see winning the NBA finals? Um, take me through the playoffs and the journey that you think you're going to see. Is it going to be a super team or are you going to see one of these homegrown teams, um, you know, r- win again? Yeah, well, it depends. Um, I, I would be curious to see what the Warriors do. I think the Warriors uh, are stacking up really well. You know, they're getting healthy, I think, at the right time. Uh, they got Clay back. Uh, Wiseman, I believe, is coming back or is back. Uh, so, you know, they're really putting all the pieces together with regards to that. Um, I think they're third right now. So um, it'll be interesting to see them versus the Suns. Uh, when they're both, you know, as healthy as they're going to be in the playoffs. So um, I think they match up really, really well with each other overall. Uh, but, you know, uh, 
it's hard to go against Steph Curry uh, if he's playing at that MVP level and all that, right? So, and with uh, Wiggins being an all-star, playing the best you know, he's been and kind of fitting in that third role. Uh, Clayback, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, he heats up maybe more so, we'll see. Uh, and then uh, the rest of the roster, you know, uh, you know, Green's always been a menace. Like, it, I, I feel like it was like when Clay got hurt, the, the, everybody had to step up and up their game. And that now has improved them overall. And it's like, okay, now that that's happened, we're better off. And then now Clay's back. Um, and then, you know, Wiseman is there too. So it's like him versus uh, Aiden, like that'll be interesting, but um, yeah, I, I, I think that the Warriors will make a run. We'll see. Um, and then from the Eastern Conference, I'm thinking that's a tough one. Uh, but I might have to go with uh, the Heat and how they uh, got Lowry now, got that veteran presence at the point guard finally. He's proven to be pretty clutch usually. Tyler Hero, Hero's back to his bubble self. Um, so I'm just kind of killing it there. And then um, I think the biggest question, though, is can they stop Giannis, right? I think that's the biggest question. That's a pretty big question. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, the, if there's a team that can try to figure all that out, um, it, it would be the Heat. They're very – they had that mentality, right? So um, I think the Heat uh, – I think it will be Heat Warriors, but we'll see. Who who are uh, some of your uh, your picks for there? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm joining you with the uh, with the Warriors as far as you know going going out of the West and kind of representing the West in the finals. Um, this team reminds me of the San Antonio Spurs that we knew growing <laughs> up. Just you know, uh, Tim, Tim Duncan's in his twilight. You know, yeah. Manu you know has has barely any hair left on his head. Uh, you know, Tony <laughs> Parker just you know got divorced to, to Ava Longoria. It's like. But yet they still have, you know, hey, Kai, you know, Kawhi Leonard is right here. And, right. You, know, you know, Danny Green is, you know, emerging and here's Patty Mills. And yeah. it's like they have so much depth. They have so much experience with their big three, their true big three with, uh, you know, Draymond, Clay, Steph's playing at MVP level, like you said, incredibly all year. It's it's just a fun franchise to follow. I've, I've always been a fan of theirs, um, mm-hmm. but they will have their, you know, um, the competition in front of them is going to be really fierce. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel the same way about the Suns and how they're kind of constructed. I think another team that's just got an incredible amount of continuity, you know, passing the ball, um, you know, playing on the defensive end. They've got, you know, Booker in his prime. Chris Paul is pretty much in his prime still, which is just baffling at this point. Um, you know, really like the steps that Bridges has made. Um, you know, this may be the last year of Aton there, but in a lot of ways, I mean, they've, they've had the, the team of the, of the regular season, I'd say in the NBA, but I've got the Warriors there probably in six or seven in the West. Mm-hmm. Now in the East, um, you know, I definitely see Miami being a top contender yeah, to yeah, all yeah. say, <laughs> all I'll say is um, I'm probably going to make the controversial selection here. I, I'm going to go with the Nets. Um, I see them coming back in full health. I see that mayor, lifting all bans on COVID-19. I don't see them facing the Raptors. Um, I, I just hate to say it. I mean, I feel like Simmons is going to, is going to get healthy right when they need him to and, and just play a good, you know, third, fourth wheel kind of role. But with the way that Kyrie Irving, you know, has come out and played recently um, with Kevin Durant in his absolute prime, probably 
you know, the alpha dog of the NBA with Giannis. I think that, you know, uh, that's going to be a great series again, but I just, I just feel like the Nets are going to get him this year. I think they're a little bit better. Um, you know, that the pieces they got in that trade, I think fit that roster really well. They got the experience there and, uh, yeah, I'm going Warriors, Nets, and, uh, you know, my heart's kind of in it with the Warriors, so I'm going to stay with it. And, you know, I think they're going to go to seven, but I, I got Steph Curry, uh, you know, winning another title this year. Yeah. I mean, hey, there. I think we're in agreement on there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I like you say, yeah, no, it's like they have, they have, I feel like it's all kind of all the things are kind of coming together. It's like, uh, you know, maybe like a Marvel movie or one of the DC movies, like, oh, yeah, like they're all it's always it's always i think that's their formula right Right? they're always like somewhere around the world doing their own thing and then all of a sudden they all come together and then you know uh kill the bad guy and all that at the end so (laughs) i kind of think that's what the wars are are kind of doing um uh at least theoretically who knows who knows if you know as long as they stay healthy and everything it's hard to kind of go against them uh but you know it's a really talented nba and i don't know it'll be it'll be exciting to see um yeah, you, the Nets, I mean, they have all the talent. It's just, yeah, like Kyrie's not, you know, he's kind of there and kind of not there. <laughs> the whole COVID protocols and all that, it's it's interesting. But, you know, money talks, right? So it's like, hey, can we can we get him for the playoffs? Yeah, that's fine. It's like, <laughs> it's harder going against KD and Kyrie and then, yeah, all the other players that they got there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If somehow, some way the Nets and the Heat get each other in the first round i mean oh, that's oh that'll be something that'll it's gonna be, be the best thing i mean yeah that's they're be slated best. right now right so you know, just talking about finals uh nba playoffs and such are there any other thoughts do you have any uh closing thoughts for this episode on you know maybe a team to watch or uh you know just something you'd like to see before the year's done i'd love to see jamal murray um I'd love to see some of those injured players. I, I, I feel like it's just like the NBA the past couple of years, and I don't know necessarily what the whole thing is. I know there's been so many theories on all the injuries, right? Like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Jamal Murray. Um, the list kind of goes on with regards to all that. But I, I would like to see them back, um, you know, maybe either right before the playoffs. Uh, you know, possible dark horse might be the, uh, the, the Nuggets uh, getting Jamal Murray, you know, Hopefully by the end of the season, you know, gets in playing shape and then makes uh, a good playoff run. He's proven that, you know, in the playoffs, he he's, I think he scored like 50, 50 points a couple of times or something like that. So uh, he'll show up there. Like, I love seeing him in the playoffs. So um, him and Jokic uh, and then Michael Porter and all that, again, if they're all healthy, uh, that would be great to see. So, you know, I, I, I love just to see the healthiest uh the the teams can be so that we can see the best talent out there and perform so but yeah i don't know uh same even 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 the nets too with Kyrie. so yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i i completely agree with you on denver that's a team that just felt like it was right there in the bubble and i was just waiting for it to happen i loved watching jamal murray play in that entire you know bubble uh playoff system that year um it's just too bad that they've you know, had injuries to him, uh, Michael Porter Jr. as well. It's just frustrating because we kind of see the talent that could be there if it yeah. could just really all stay together. And it they really do look like they enjoy playing with each other too, which mm-hmm. is so huge because it, it doesn't always happen with every team, even if it's a, you know, a super team assembly, you know, um, taking place. It's it's just, you know, kind of watching them go through the bubble and 
with Mike Malone. I just think that's like the perfect team that I think could have a great rebound um, in the playoffs or, you know, starting next year. Yeah. Um, at least on my end, just a couple teams to watch. I, you know, looking at where the Celtics have come from the you know first half to where they've been in the second half, um, you know, that's probably a team that the Bulls are, are going to draw in the first round and right. they have the best record against teams with a 500 record or above. So, yeah. you know, they've showed up when it matters and, you know, looking at Tatum and Jalen Brown as individual talents. And then you have, you know, Mark, Marcus Smart, who's just going to do all the little things to, to win basketball games. Um, I don't see them being a real threat, you know, deep into the playoffs, but I do think that maybe this is a year that those two gain, you know, another level of respect where maybe you get that third piece really come into Boston and make that a, a very scary team going forward. And uh, finally, um, kind of close out the episode, I think that, you know, watching the emergence of John Morant this year has been super impressive. Um, nobody's talking about him for MVP. It's it's all Embiid, Jokic, and, and it, you know, it should be. I mean, they've had great years, too, and so has Giannis, too. But, I mean, with what, you know, John Morant's creating in, in Memphis and, you know, they've got Jaron Jackson, they've got um, Desmond Bain, they've got, you know, Stephen Adams. They just got you know, the right mix of young talent. They probably have a boatload of, of salary cap space that maybe they could play with too. It's just right. kind of fun to see what gear he can bring them to in the playoffs. And, you know, the West doesn't feel as deep as the East. So maybe he can get more, you know, TV time in that sense, but um, keep an eye on them just as far as, you know, how far they take it this year, but another franchise to be just truly excited about. Yeah, yeah, I love I love seeing John Moran. I remember there was always like, uh, like, oh yeah, what's happening to Zion now? Right, <laughs> I think that's been the whole thing. Jaws just killing it. I love. I always love the Memphis. Like they're always just a bunch of grinders, right? Like you don't know any of these people. Like a lot of like no hype type of people. Uh, but yeah, I, I think them. You know, if if they can get you know yeah uh, some decent free agents to kind of fill in the gaps there. Um, look out for them. Like I, I, I want Memphis to win a championship. Like I really do when I see John Morant play. So yeah, and then yeah, I think you were talking about with the Celtics too. I that that is a team. I was I was just thinking that it's like that is a team that's like they they just need that one piece, kind of like that Chris Paul. I th- I feel like uh, to come in and just be like, hey, uh, I know you guys went this route and all that. Let me show you this route a little bit um, to elevate you all. So. Um, whether it be, I don't know, the point guard. I know they try to get Kemba and all that. That didn't really work out. Uh, Kyrie, too. Um, but, yeah, if they can get that one other piece, uh, I want to see them win, too. Uh, Jason Tatum is just awesome. I love his skill level and everything that he does there. So Jalen Brown, too, that guy's just emerging. I feel like he's – I feel like there's even another ceiling that he, he's yet to reach. So, uh, yeah, they're exciting teams. So looking forward to – I'm just really excited about the playoffs – yeah, basketball is amazing uh, this this year for sure. So, well, that sounds good. I'll, I'll be tuning in too. Uh, you know, once it kicks off here, probably you know within the next couple weeks or so. Um, but in general, thought we did a pretty good job of covering the NBA past and present. Uh, we'll be doing more takes on the NBA going forward. And uh, you know, for Wayne, uh, I'm Patrick, and we're signing off for the Ball and Breakfast podcast. Check us out on social media. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, really wherever you can find media, we'll be there. Thanks a lot, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Al. Take care.